0: episode of the Nick Bob podcast is brought to you by Pella windows and doors you know you need energy efficiency in posting a podcast but you also need energy efficiency if you want the most out of your windows and doors I'm on Pella's website right now how about this one two three four five different types of windows and doors by Pella won the energy star 2020 most energy efficient award that's big time right there for more information on how Pella can make your home more comfortable and energy efficient, check them out online, PellaOmaha.com. That's PellaOmaha.com. And the Nick Bob Podcast is brought to you by my good friends at Runza. We all know about the greatness of the Runza sandwich, the amazing cheeseburgers, the best crinkle fries on the planet. But Runza, they got some big-time salads, too. My wife tonight actually had the BLT salad from Runza. She loved it. I had the Southwest chicken salad with the spicy ranch. It's my favorite. It's big time. And don't sleep on the sweet berry chicken salad. You got dried cranberries popping off fresh greens, a perfect complement of wrenched feta cheese and walnuts, and a creamy poppy seed dressing to top it all off. It's delicious. So get out to Runza today and try a salad. Runza makes it all better. Okay, Uh, we got a couple of, really this is going to be kind of a, I'm going to, sometimes you want to get into a bunch of different topics. I got basically two topics, going to deep dive both of them, and we got a lot to get into with both of them. We got one Nebraska football one we're going to get into here a little bit later on to wrap up the pod, but I want to start with what's going on in Omaha with the Creighton basketball program, because there's certainly a lot of interesting things moving and shaking with the Blue Jays. And, you know, let me preface all this Creighton basketball stuff with a few things. Um, I, I willingly admit that, you know, Damon and I have talked about this at times as well. Like, I, I Damon Binning and I I, I. I willingly admit that sometimes I feel like being extremely tied into the program like I am and being close to the situation – can be good and bad. Like I feel like ninety percent of the time it's good because I'm I know what's going on, right? And then I feel like my relationship with the coaches and the players and my feelings about the program can kind of muddy up my ability to maybe see the big picture of things. And you know, with with everything that's going on, I you know with Creighton basketball, uh, you know with that we're going to get into a lot of the different. Um, People that are leaving the program, you know, I, I don't quite share the same sentiment on everything as most people do. But at the same time, I think I can wrap my mind around how people can view it differently. So I guess I'm admitting that like I'm a little I'm, I'm a little jaded heading into it, but I think I'm going to lay it all out. And you understand my perspective on all this stuff as maybe you see it differently than I do. But let's get into it. Um, So Creighton has had what can be painted as a mass exodus from the program over the last two, two and a half weeks, you know, you've had a lot of different people moving out of the program. Christian Bishop transferred Denzel Mahoney and Damian Jefferson, both announced uh, that they are not coming back for their kind of super senior years. Obviously this year was because of COVID. The NCAA said that this was kind of a free year. So everybody could, everybody could come back all across college basketball. Uh, but obviously Damian Jefferson and, and, and Denzel Mahoney aren't coming back. Um, Marcus Zegarowski announced that he is leaving early after his junior year for the NBA draft. And then on the coaching side of things, assistant coach Paul Lusk announced that he is leaving Creighton to be an assistant at Purdue. And then it is reported, um, as of right now, again, it's it's reported that it's basically a done deal. That Terrence Renscher is leaving Creighton to be an assistant coach at Oklahoma State. So that really only leaves Senior Mitch Ballock to announce his decision on whether he is staying or leaving. And based on my conversations I've had with a handful of people, that he is he is more than likely leaving, and he'll be uh, he'll be moving on from from Creighton. So I mean, that would that would all mean that Creighton will have lost basically their entire starting five and two assistant coaches in a span of two weeks. I mean that, that's it's a lot, right? And the popular narrative, because, you know, you watch all the news hit Twitter, and then you watch the reaction from different people. The popular narrative is that everyone is bailing on Greg McDermott after the racially insensitive comments he made after the Xavier game in the locker room. A lot of people are, are connecting those dots. Xavier locker room comments with all the players and coaches choosing to leave. And listen. On the surface, like I, I won't be naive and say that I can't understand how people would would connect those dots and and see it that way, but I just don't quite see it that way. And I think everyone needs to, for a moment, take a deep breath and realize that not everything that happens with Creighton basketball right now in the moment is 100% related to the incident in the Xavier locker room. Because really for the final... Gosh, it would have been so the Nova game, Butler game, the three games in the in so the final seven games. It felt like after everything that happened with Creighton basketball, after the the co- Greg McDermott locker room comments, after the Xavier game, like it became like it was all related to those comments. Like if they didn't play well, it's like oh they're they're having a hard time those comments, and if they played well, it's like oh look at them they're rallying together after those comments. It's like not not everything has to be all about those comments right now, right? Like l- just. Uh, not everything that happens with the Creighton basketball program is 100% related to the incident that occurred in the Xavier locker room. But let's just, let's let's peel this back one by one. Let's unpack all this stuff with this, you know, quote-unquote mass exodus, everyone's leaving Creighton. First of all, there was a chance, and maybe a really good chance, that this kind of roster turnover and quote-unquote exodus was going to happen regardless of the McDermott locker room comments after the Xavier game. Like, let, let's say those comments never happened. Let's say the, 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 the comments Greg McDermott made never happened. I think there was a scenario and a chance where everything that has happened with everybody leaving or choosing to move on to something else was going to happen anyways. I, I, I've told you, I mean, I'm on the record in my podcast, I never expected for one second that Denzel Mahoney, Damian Jefferson, Marcus Zagorowski, and Mitch Ballack would all come back. I never thought that for one second. I, I won't be disingenuous. The only thing that is surprising to me is Christian Bishop. I was a little surprised that Christian Bishop announced that he is transferring. But that's it in terms of the players. And I think the uh, the assistant coaches leaving – in in Paul Losk and Terrence Wrencher is actually easier to understand when you when you really think about it and and kind of just take a deep breath. So let's let's here's what I want to do. Everybody that has announced they are leaving the program, whether it's an assistant coach, a player, whatever, let's just dive each, into each situation, kind of one by one, and and unpack it. I'll lump Denzel Mahoney and Damian Jefferson into one because both guys are fifth year seniors. You understand that, right? Both guys transferred. Damian Jefferson transferred from New Mexico to Creighton, had to sit out a year. Denzel Mahoney transferred from Southeast Missouri State to Creighton, had to sit out a year. So that would mean these guys would be coming, act, coming back for their sixth year of college basketball. That's a lot. That That's a lot. And I think both guys... Keep in mind, both guys tested the NBA waters a year ago, all that stuff. I think both guys just want to start their professional careers because, I've ta- like I've talked about, a basketball player has a shelf life to make money, and that clock is ticking. It's ticking. So, listen, you can paint it like Denzel Mahoney and Damian Jefferson are leaving because of what Max said. They hate Greg McDermott. I don't see it like that at all. I don't think that's, I don't think that's true at all, and I think those two guys were gone no matter what happened. Christian Bishop. I've taught I talked about this a ton on my pod last week. Christian Bishop is transferring because he doesn't want to play the five anymore. he wants to play the three or the four. I think that is the lion's share of the motivation for him wanting to pursue another school and hit the transfer portal. Marcus Zagorowski. this is a guy that has had two major surgeries since arriving at Creighton. He had a torn labrum in his hip, had surgery after his freshman year. He tore his meniscus at the end of his sophomore year, had surgery. So he's been a little bit injury plagued. And I think his draft stock is kind of fixed in terms of it is what it is. Like, I don't necessarily feel like he could greatly raise his stock by coming back and playing another year. So he's going to make the leap right now, which to me kind of makes sense, especially with the fact that, basically, Marcus Zagorowski would be on the floor with a brand new team. Now, and Marcus Zagorowski has been, you know, he's publicly been extremely outspoken in his love and appreciation for Greg McDermott after the locker room comments and all that stuff. Like, he has been on the record talking about Coach McDermott in that regard. So I don't think Marcus's decision has anything to do with Greg McDermott's comments. Then you look at Paul Lusk. Coach Lusk is leaving to be an assistant coach at Purdue. Keep in mind, Purdue is basically home to him. And, and Matt Painter, who's the head coach at Purdue, is his guy. Like, those two are really close. He's I, I always considered Paul Lusk as a Matt Painter disciple, right? He was an assistant for him. He was, he was at Purdue from 2004 to 2011. So seven years was an assistant, basically, for Matt Painter. And I'd say Purdue is where his, his coaching career really took off. It's what sparked his ability to get the Missouri State job. And then, you know, the, the, what he was able to achieve as an assistant at Purdue and then at Missouri State got him the Creighton gig, all that stuff. So, like, so I always feel like, but it all started at Purdue. That's where really his career took off. And I'd imagine a Purdue assistant job pays more than a Creighton assistant coaching job. So it's a raise for Paul Lusk, I'd imagine. And again, he's basically going home for lack of a better term to be with a guy that he, you know, is extremely close with in Matt Painter. So I don't think it has anything to do with he doesn't like he he's wanted to get the you know get the F out of town after everything that happened after those like I don't think it's like that at all. Terrence Wrencher. Again, just reported right now, but it sounds like it's a done deal that that, that Coach Wrencher is headed to Oklahoma State to be an assistant coach. Keep in mind, he was only in Omaha at Creighton for a year and a half. He got to Creighton halfway through last season and then coached this year, and that's it. So let's first slow any sort of talk like, how will Creighton survive without Wrencher? Dude was not even here for two full seasons. But with with his move, keep in mind Terrence Wrencher played at Texas. That's where he he played college basketball. So heading to Oklahoma State is a move that gets him back in his his roots in that geographical area of of the, that part of the country. And you know, I mean, he's it gets to the the roots of the, the Big Twelve Southwest Conference where that he played it. And again, like I like I I think the same thing like. My guess is an assistant coaching job at Oklahoma State likely pays more than an assistant coaching job at Creighton. So my guess is Terrence Renter got a raise and moved closer to his roots as a player at Texas, getting into the Big 12 Conference as an assistant coach. So when, when you actually unpack it all and the, the quote-unquote mass exodus, I think it, it begins to make more sense and you know, then the narrative of everyone is bailing on Greg McDermott doesn't fully add up. Now, I, I, will, I, I will say this. You can go down the list like I just did and explain every single specific situation and have a pretty good solid reason for them leaving. But at the same time, In a two-week span, when two assistant coaches leave and your entire starting five all are leaving, when they all have the option to come back, that's not a great look. So trust me, I get how from a broad sense, this all doesn't land great for Creighton, especially when you see what came out of Nova, the, the news out of Villanova, Colin Gillespie, Jermaine Samuels, both coming back. Right, like, I'm not, you guys might be listening. It's like, Nick, are you seriously that naive that you don't see how this doesn't land great? I get it, dude. I, I, I get it. But perception doesn't always have to equal reality either. So I, I get how the perception is like, ooh, this doesn't look great. I can understand from a broad sense how you just go, ooh, ugh, this doesn't look great for Creighton. Because I, it's like the analogy, I've given this before on the, doing my radio show. I think I've given it before on the podcast a couple of times. It's the it's the being late for work analogy. Like I can, let's say I start a job. I can start a job. And in the first month on the job, I'm late to work eight times. And maybe each time I was late, I was able to fully explain why I was late to the point where it adds up to my boss, right? Like, hey, man, had a flat tire, hey, there was, got into a car accident, my kid was sick, et cetera, et cetera. I can explain each individual reason I was late, but at the end of the month, I was late for work eight times. And any way you slice that, that's not good. Same thing for Creighton right now. I can sit here, like I just did, and go through Everyone who has announced they are leaving Creighton. I can go through every one. Lusk, rencher Damian Jefferson, Christian Bishop, Marcus Zagorowski, Denzel Mahoney, and explain why they are leaving, it can, and it can all make sense. But at the end of the day, losing that many people from the program, it's not a great look. So I get it. I I really, really do. I guess I'm just, I'm just frustrated that the narrative of everyone is bailing on McDermott and everyone is still super upset over the locker room comments and all this stuff is being applied to this one. I just, I don't think that is fully true with everything. I'm not saying everybody's moved on. Off the, don't don't get me wrong. I'm not saying everybody everything's all hunky dory and great after those comments and that there's still a process ongoing of 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 forgiveness and making that whole situation right. So I'm not trying to dismiss that and say that that isn't like still a thing. It is very much still a thing, but I don't necessarily think this thing is applying to all these people leaving, which I think a lot of people want to connect it. Cause I just I you know I because I, I see it on Twitter and I know the you know kind of the flyby twenty five thousand foot view of this is, oh man hey did you see Creighton is losing like I think they lost two assistants and all their good players, man they must they just they they must hate that McDermott guy after what he said and that's just that's what's going on there. Yeah I don't I mean I don't know about that. I don't know if I totally see it quite like that. I don't know if I totally see it like that. Now, listen, I can't tell you what to think. I can you, I, I can't tell you what to think. I can only tell you what I think and give you the reasons why I think that way. And I guess you can kind of make up your own mind on that. But that's how when you go through each individual, you know, Denzel Mahoney, he would he'd be a six year senior. He's. I think he's just ready to move on and try to get paid to play basketball. Damian Jefferson, he'd be a six-year senior. I think he's ready to move on, get paid playing basketball. Marcus Zagorowski. He's dealt with two pretty massive injuries. I think he realizes how delicate this thing can be. His draft stock probably is what it is. He's ready to to become a pro. Paul Luss going home to Purdue probably get a raise. He's a Matt Painter guy. Okay. Terrence Rancher, played at Texas. It gets him probably a raise at Oklahoma State and in the conference that Texas is in. Like, I think you just, you you go down, you can explain each one. And I don't necessarily connect the dot of the elephant in the room of the Xavier Locker Room comments. That's just me. Last thing on this. Oftentimes, I maybe should have started with this. Oftentimes, super successful seasons and all-time deepest runs in school history in the NCAA tournament result in a lot of change because success breeds other opportunities. Creighton just finished its most successful two-year run in school history, winning the Big East regular season crown a year ago, and then making their first ever run to the Sweet 16 this year. Oftentimes, that comes with players leaving for professional opportunities and other schools trying to steal guys from your coaching staff. So I also think, like, just take a step back and take a deep breath like this is what when you go on deep runs this is what happens when when you are having your greatest seasons in school history this is kind of what happens so the other thing that's another thing to kind of keep in mind as you're digesting and assessing all of this as a as a Creighton fan trying to make heads or tails of what's exactly going on and freaking out about everything it's just kind of the price for having success. And real quick before I get into some some Nebraska football. I we got to I got to give Marcus Flower or Marcus Zegarowski his flowers right now. That guy, he is one of my all-time favorite Blue Jays. I believed in that guy from the jump. So much so I I was when he, when he made his announcement I was I decided to go back. And this is, this is maybe, you know, TMI, or maybe it comes across like I'm kissing Marcus's ass, but like I decided, I pulled it up. This was a a DM, a direct message. I sent him on Twitter halfway through his freshman year. So this would have been, this was like January of his freshman year. So he'd probably played like, I don't know, 15 games as a blue Jay. This was a message I sent him halfway through his freshman year. I said, Hey man, just wanted to say you're playing great. Absolutely love your game. Creighton is lucky to have you running the show. Keep on being you. I thought that guy was destined for big things at Creighton the moment I saw him play. And don't get it twisted. We're talking about this incredible, you know, the, the greatest two year run in, in school history. He was the guy behind all this. I'm not saying the other guys didn't have integral roles and Ballock and Bishop and and Damian Jefferson and and Tyshawn Alexander, all this stuff. Those guys all played big roles. This is the guy. Don't get it twisted. Creighton doesn't win the Big East regular season crown last year and punch through the Sweet 16 without Marcus Zagorowski running the show. (laughs) Don't. Don't get it twisted. He was the the engine. He finished his career in three years at Creighton with 1,293 points. That's 22nd all-time in Creighton history. 393 assists, 10th all-time in Creighton history. And, you know, it's interesting. I... I thought, I, I remember pondering this question early on in his career. Like, man, does he, he's got a, I remember saying this to someone, it might have been to Rob Anderson, the sports information director, Creighton, I, that I, I thought he had a chance to be Creighton, the greatest point guard in Creighton history. I thought he had a chance. Now, if he would have come back for a senior year, it would have been a no brainer. I think it's may, probably more of a debate now, but I know at least for me, I, I think he is – I think Marcus Zagorowski is the greatest point guard to ever play at Creighton. And there's been some good ones. Ryan Sears, Maurice Watson, Josh Doetzler, Tyler McKinney, Antoine Young, to name a few. There have been some really good point guards at Creighton. I think Marcus was the best. Tough as shit, competitive as hell, work ethic off the charts, was at his best against the best. As a player, very few holes in his game. He could do it all offensively. He could score. He could shoot the three off the catch and off the dribble. Probably was the best off-the-dribble three-point shooter I, I for sure have ever seen at Creighton. Unbelievable mid-range pull-up game. Great at getting to the rim. Excellent at changing speeds. Great passer. One of those guys that could he could get you 30 or he could have 10 assists. Just a Big-time player. Big-time player. This two-year run raised the bar for Creighton basketball. And it was Zegarowski who led that charge. What a player. A guy that will live in Creighton lore for forever. So tip of the cap to Marcus Zagorowski. cheers to an incredible Creighton career. Okay, coming up next, a topic that just, it never sat well with me. Nebraska turning down the bowl game last year. Well, that topic has come back up, and I'm ready to lay it all out. That's next, but first, let's take a quick break. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. You know, is there something interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals uh, I, I know for me, you know, this COVID and this pandemic certainly can mess with you mentally. Well, BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online. And there's a broad range of expertise available, which may not be Locally available in many areas. The service is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor, and you're going to get a timely, thoughtful response. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed, you can visit their website, betterhelp.com. That's betterhelp.com, help, and there are amazing testimonials posted daily. Uh, here's here's one I'm reading right now uh, from uh, about Norma. It says, been my therapist for over a year and has changed my life. Another one right here. She is nice and understanding to talk with. She made me feel heard and safe to open up. I'm very grateful for her and everything she's done for me so far. I look forward to the future. There are just thousands of testimonials just like that. So visit BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. And we got a special offer for my podcast listeners. Enter the promo code at BetterHelp.com slash Nick Baugh. That's N-I-C-K-B-A-H-E. Just enter the promo code Nick Baugh, N-I-C-K-B-A-H-E. E, you get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com. Okay, so ne- Nebraska spring football is is underway. And by the way, if you haven't listened, make sure you go listen to me and Bo Rude's Wine Pod spring football preview. Tons of good stuff, tons of laughs, tons of insightful things. Um, re- really, really had a blast with that one. Make sure you go check that out. It's on the podcast feed. But with with spring football underway, obviously that means media availability for players and coaches. So it's always interesting to hear from from the staff and the players on, on a variety of things, especially when you haven't heard from them for a while. And one of the most interesting things to come out of the media sessions over the last few weeks or so is the discussion from the players on declining the bowl bid last year. This was the first time the Nebraska players have been available to the media since that player vote. And so naturally it was something worth that was worth asking about from the media and I'm glad that the media asked about it because I I always I found the whole topic in the moment to be really really interesting and now if you don't remember on December 20th Frost put it up to the players and had the players vote on whether they wanted to go play in a bowl game or just be done for the season I mean that in and of itself is interesting And then for the outcome to be that they voted not to play is interesting. And then what makes it really eyebrow-raising and interesting were the rumors that it was definitely not unanimous during that locker room vote and that locker room discussion. That there were lots of players who wanted to play, but ultimately they got outvoted by those who didn't want to play. And that was confirmed by safety Deontay Williams and what he said to the media he, he told the media he, he wanted to play in the bowl game, that he thought it was the right thing to do for the program. And then he went on to say, quote, other than that, it is what it is. Talking about the team's vote to skip playing. But, quote, but we have to change that. That's something we've got to change here. Deep inside here, it's a culture thing. We've got to change it. Then Markel Desmook agreed with Deontay Williams. Markel Desmook said, quote, I mean, you've got to put all things in perspective with Corona and how long we were working with no breaks and all that. But at the end of the day, it's still football. At the end of the day, you should want to get better each and every day. You should want to take every opportunity to maximize your potential. Okay. Those, I mean, those are two pretty juicy quotes, that I know when I read them, I, I was like, "Whoa, okay." So clearly, clearly, there were some upset players that wanted to play. And here's my take on all of this. First of all, it, it is it is a very it's an extremely layered and nuanced situation with a lot of things to consider. Number one, keep in mind they're coming off a three and five pandemic season where you know you're getting tested every day. Some some players hadn't seen their families in almost six months. They've been isolated socially. They haven't been able to be with friends. They haven't been able to live like regular people for all that stuff. Like that's number one. Number two, on top of all that, they'd have been playing playing in a bowl game would have likely meant missing Christmas with their families. Because like I I said, it was December 20th when they voted. And the bowl game would have likely been, based on projections of what the invitation would have been, on December 26th-ish. So they missed the holidays, the players. And then number three, the, the quarterback situation makes things really challenging. It sounds like Adrian Martinez was one of the players who voted not to play. And the reasoning was it was health. Martinez said he was really banged up, and he might not have been able to, to play if there would have been a bowl game. So there's that. And then, oh, by the way, Luke McCaffrey, Luke McCaffrey basically kind of had one foot out the door, didn't suit up for the final game against Rutgers. He was in street clothes. So, listen, there's a chance you're going to go play in a bowl game with your third-string quarterback. Now, obviously, that's not good. And again when you when your quarterback doesn't want to play or can't play let's all let's all acknowledge that complicates things. That really complicates things. It, number 4, this wouldn't have been the normal bowl game experience you, from a football standpoint you wouldn't have gotten all those extra weeks and weeks of practice which are really valuable, again they would have I think they they played Rutgers on December 19th, they would have played on like the 26th or the 27th. So you wouldn't have got what people deem as really important time of all those bowl practices. And then for the players, you wouldn't have got the same bowl experience that you usually get when you get to the bowl game site due to COVID, right? So all those things are legitimate issues to consider when discussing this topic. But I feel like I can acknowledge that and with all that said, say that it just it still never sat well with me that that they chose not to play. And how they arrived at the decision to not play. First of all, I never liked that Frost put it up to a vote. I thought that was a mistake. And if you if you listen to this pod You know that I like Scott Frost. You know I'm a supporter and I'm a defender of his. But I thought putting it up to a vote for the players was kind of a weak move to absolve himself of any responsibility for the decision. It kind of felt like he wiggled his way out of the situation and left the players holding the weight of a pretty big decision. And that way he could kind of step back and say, hey, don't look at me, this was their decision. And to me, that's not good leadership. Leadership comes with some non-negotiable responsibilities. A part of leadership is making tough decisions for the collective that everyone might not agree on. So I never, ever liked the whole idea of putting it up to a vote. that that let Frost off the hook, in my opinion. And then you were also asking for dissension in the locker room, I think, when you leave it up to the players to vote for that, which I think is what you kind of saw with Dismuke and Deontay Williams' quotes that I just read you. Frost knew it wouldn't be unanimous. And, you know, it's one thing to not get your way when the head coach makes a decision. But I'd imagine it's different when you don't get your way when some of your teammates make the decision. I think the pill would be easier to swallow for the players who wanted to play, like Dismuke, like Deontay Williams, if Frost was the one who made the decision. That pill is harder to swallow when it's because of a player vote. So that's the first thing. The second thing is this is a cautionary tale of how you need to be careful with how you brand yourself, both as an individual and collective. If you brand yourself as the tough guy, well, when shit goes down at a bar, you better be ready to throw hands. If you brand yourself as the funny guy, you better be ready to make jokes and make people laugh in a lot of instances. You know, you brand yourself as the handyman, you better be ready to help fix a flat tire or something around the house when stuff breaks. You brand yourself as the ladies man and you're with your with all your your buddies at the bar when you're all single, you better be you know, you better be ready to go holler at the 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 group of girls in the corner and talk to them like Nebraska branded itself as the we'll play anyone, anywhere, anytime team. Nebraska branded itself as we just want to play football. Even Scott Frost himself said in early October, I think it was on October 2nd, he said if Nebraska has to play Uzbekistan, it will. When you brand yourself like that and then turn down a bowl game, it's not a great look. You're the will play anyone, anywhere, anytime team except in a bowl game, apparently. I just thought Nebraska turning down a bowl game didn't jibe at all with how it branded itself. In fact, I think that was a little bit of what bit Nebraska with them trying to get out of the Oklahoma game w- w- was the fact that it didn't jibe with the image that they tried to paint for themselves. So I just thought it was a bad look. You brand yourself this, we'll play anyone, anywhere, anytime team, and then turn down a bowl game? Eh, mm. uh, eh, it's not a, yeah. You brand yourself the tough guy. All of a sudden, you know... Shit's getting real in a bar, and you're 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 backing up, and you're trying to tuck and hide. Eh, I don't know, man. What happened to all that tough guy talk? What happened to you What happened to we'll play anywhere? We just want to play football. What happened to that? So be careful. Be careful how you brand yourself. And I thought that that's also the something that didn't just didn't didn't sit well. And then lastly, for me. I'm not saying winning a bowl game would have changed the course of the program. But it has to start somewhere. And when you are trying to rebuild and get back to the top, it all has to start somewhere. And you never know where that special moment could come from. Would that have happened in a bowl game? I don't know. But here's the thing. You don't know either. Not completely apples to apples, but I really do believe that Nebraska's win in the Foster Farms Bowl over UCLA in Mike Riley's first year in 2015 was the spark that led to the team winning nine wins in 2016 and starting 7-0. and I really believe that. I really thought that springboarded them into the offseason and into year two with confidence. And I remember kind of poo-pooing the Foster Farms Bowl. Then they play it. They play well. They kind of find themselves. And then they start 7-0. and out. I mean, they were into the top 10 in 2016. For I know for the – I've talked about this before. for For basketball. You talk to anybody, Greg McDermott, any of the – Doug McDermott and those guys, the run that Creighton went on in the CBI – and I get it. He-he, CBI, what did CBI, what? The run that Creighton went on in the CBI, Doug McDermott's freshman year, 100% sparked that group's three-year run. That group, Doug McDermott, Ethan Rogge, Jahan's Managa, Austin Chapman, I sincerely think the run to the CBI Finals sparked something in that group for confidence and identity, momentum into the offseason, for them to then go on to make three straight NCAA tournaments. So my point is, you never know where that spark is going to come from. And then, and then within that, the biggest thing this Nebraska football program needs is wins and confidence, period. Let me repeat that. The biggest thing this program needs is wins and confidence. And the last time I checked, the only way to acquire those two things is to play a game. This program and this team has issues, obviously. They need to learn how to win. They need to gain confidence in big big moments. Hell, this coaching staff needs to improve how they coach, how they game plan, how they manage a game, and coach and manage big moments in a game. Well, the only way to improve at all that stuff is to play a game. Nebraska, I just I just always looked at, Nebraska needs every game it can get. Period. So with saying all that, I just never loved the idea of them turning down a bowl game. It's like an up-and-coming aspiring stand-up comedian who you know needs reps on stage turns down a gig. Hey, man, they got a time slot, 10 o'clock. Comedy seller, go up there. Nah, 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 nah. Nah, I don't want to do that. But I thought you said you needed to get reps. Nah, nah, I don't want to do that. But don't you want to get to where you're a big-time sit? Nah, I, I, yeah, I do, but I just, nah, I don't want to go up there. So for me, I just, I didn't like that decision. I just don't like how, how, at times... We and we being fans, media, everybody with you know, around Nebraska football, I just don't like how at times we all speak out of both sides of our mouth. We sit here and say, this program needs a lot of work. this program needs to learn how to win. This program needs some needs to win some games. This program needs to gain confidence. This program needs to get better. But then try to then try to explain away and rationalize turning down a bowl game, which would have provided, the opportunities to take strides in all those areas I just laid out. So it just, it, it never sat well with me. I'm like, Nebraska's team, they need to, they need games. All right, let's take a quick break from the podcast, talk about White Castle roofing. You know, one of the best decisions I've made was calling White Castle roofing when my roof had some hail damage back in the day to my old house in Omaha. I needed experts, I needed people I can trust. That's White Castle. White Castle roofing made the entire process so easy and so smooth, and they did a great job. They communicate every step of the way in their crews, they're knowledgeable, they care about the details, and cleanup is a top priority. So if you need experts, you can trust. White Castle Roofing is the answer. In fact, I'm dealing with a leak in my roof in my new house, and you know who I called immediately? Of course, White Castle. Ben from White Castle, came to the house last week, took a look at things, and we already got the ball rolling on what to do next. When it comes to your roof, you need people you can trust, and trust me, you can trust the good people at White Castle. Check them out, whitecastleroofing.com. White Castle Roofing, built with trust, Proven by time and the Nick Bob podcast is brought to you by my friends at Runza. There is nothing better than hearing from an old high school football teammate like my former offensive lineman, Brett Altman on Twitter, where he went out and he tried the Ruben Runza and loved it. That's what I'm talking about, baby. And my dad, my father, he got his Ruben Runza game right. He gave it two thumbs up again Reuben Runza is available at all Runza locations it's everything you love about a Reuben wrapped up inside the greatness of a Runza sandwich so make sure you stop out to Runza try the brand new Reuben Runza and speaking of Runzas Don't forget that every Runza is made to order, meaning you can add anything in the kitchen, within reason, to add on a Runza. Since every one starts as an original Runza, you can add pickles or ketchup or ranch, whatever. It is up to you. So whether you get a Reuben Runza or get creative and add something to an original Runza, you know it's going to be delicious. So head out to Runza today. And while you're there, tell them your buddy, your pal, Nick. sent you. And the Nick Bob podcast is brought to you by my friends at Pella Windows and Door. You know, when it's time to get a new set of windows or a new door, you got to go with Pella. Why? Because they can provide window and door solutions to any home. They can turn your window and door modeling dreams into a reality. And because the people are great vince and steve and clint and brian the whole gang they are all fantastic and you know what else is fantastic knowing that you're going to be working with pella and only pella the entire time do you realize that when you work with some other window companies all of a sudden questions pop up like who's going to install it who's going to pre-finish it who's doing that and before you know it you're working with like four or five different people oh my god you want the convenience and simplicity of working with one company not three or four that is pella Check them out on the web, PellaOmaha.com. That's PellaOmaha.com. Back to the podcast. It's like we all, I don't know, it's just we, we all think, like, where do you think all this, you think all of a sudden just the brass is just going to voila, like, just all of a sudden now, now they're a 10-win team and they're, like, it's all got, you got to start building it somewhere. Like, I'm rocking, I got like a dad bod right now. Like, I want to get like a, my six-pack back. Like, I, you know what I got to do is do a fucking sit-up. That's where it starts. Put down a pizza and eat a salad. That's where it starts. You don't just, you don't just, I can't just think I'm just going to look down and up six pack there. All these people like in Nebraska, they, they, they got to get to where they're, they're going to win the West. Where do you think that starts? Like it, start, it starts with one, they got, they got to go win one game and, and, and find something within that one game and improve within the elements of that one game and gain confidence from winning that one game. You never know. I didn't when I when I put my headset on to call Creighton in the CBI. I certainly didn't think in the pregame show. I tell you what, you know this this right here could be the spark for Creighton to go and make three straight NCAA tournaments. I didn't say that. I didn't think that. And I certainly, when Nebraska was getting ready to play the Foster Farms Bowl against UCLA, I wasn't sitting there going, "This is a hell of an opportunity to springboard you into the year two and maybe start seven and zero oh and be in the top ten. I didn't say that. But guess what? Both those things happened. That's the beauty of sports is you you never know where that spark's going to come from. And so I just don't, I don't know. I don't get how people can sit here and say like this program needs a lot of work, man. They need to get some confidence. They got to get better. The staff has to get better. These players need to learn how to to function in big spots and big moments. Well, here, play a bowl game. No, no, no. They don't need to do that. What do you mean? Again, that stand-up comedian, Oh, he needs to learn how he's introing his second joke, his stage presence, how he's interacting with the crowd when he comes out there. He needs to polish up the punchline on his final joke, all that stuff. Okay, man, 10.30, there's a setup there. Nah, 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 he doesn't need to do that. How do you think you get better? How do you think all those things happen? You got to go do it. You gotta go do it. And so for me, just for all that, I, I'd I never liked the decision. I didn't like how they arrived at the at the decision. And I felt like they were provide they were going to be potentially provided opportunities to take strides in all those areas that I've just you know of, of learning how to win, gaining confidence. I'm not saying they would have they would have been a 100 percent finished product. Just like when I eat that salad and do sit-ups, I'm not one hundred percent a six pack, but it's just I'm taking strides towards it. So I don't know. I just you know, we, we, we speak out of both sides of our mouth with this thing bad. So that's how that's how I see all this bowl game stuff. It was very interesting though. It was very it was very interesting to get some of the players thoughts on all this stuff. Because I, I know for me I I could never have imagined choosing not to play in anything in, in sports, especially something like a bowl guy. Uh, interesting to me. All right, so there you go. Hey, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Click that subscribe button and while you're there, give it a five star rating and review. It all helps me out. Um, again, make sure you go check out that wine pod spring football preview. Bo Rude and I did. We had some fun, some laughs, obviously when you're getting, drinking some wine, and then obviously went position by position, kind of gave our thoughts on, you know, the position groups we like, what we're confident in, what we're not. It was really good stuff. Make sure you go check that out. And a reminder, you can also email me, nick at nickbaugh.com. Anything that is always on your mind, um, that email is always open. So hit me up. All right. Appreciate everybody listening. We'll catch you next time on the Nick Bob Podcast. All right, my thanks to Pella. If you're thinking about a new window or a new door, now is the time. Check them out online on the web at PellaOmaha.com. That's PellaOmaha.com. And uh, my thanks to my good friends at Runza. Best fries on the planet, great burgers, cheese, Runza, delicious. The food is simply fantastic. Runza makes it all better. A Huda Media Production.